Hello and welcome to another episode of Growth, formerly hashtag Growth, now just Growth. We dropped the hashtag. And today I am super excited to talk about one of the best, if not the best, most contextual acquisition campaigns I have ever seen. Uh, And I got it in the mail maybe about a year ago and I saw it and I just said, this thing is so cool. Uh, And then once I rolled out the podcast, I said, I have to figure out who helps run this thing and get them on. So I'm super excited to have Dan Lawfer today. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Dan is the Director of Growth and Partnerships at Nextdoor. That is my brief intro. Dan, do you want to say another couple words about yourself? Sure. So yeah, so as you mentioned, Lead Growth and Partnerships at Nextdoor, which is the neighborhood app for people who aren't familiar. And kind of what that role means, because I think it that title can be a little ambiguous, is fundamentally responsible for growing active member engagement on our platform. That's great. Very concise, too. I love that. So uh, so w- why don't we jump right in? All right. So I, I just want to give the audience a little bit of context. Maybe they have gotten this thing, too, in the mail. Maybe they haven't. But for those of you that haven't, basically, and I, I, I got it a year ago, but I took a video of it and I shared it with my team. And I found the video last week of me explaining this thing and opening up the, the letter. So it was, uh, it was a letter in an envelope that is pretty plain. And it said, like, to our back bay neighbor, Matt, or, or yeah, it said to our back bay uh, neighbor, uh, and I opened it up, and it it had this whole thing. It said, there's already 285 posts, like, I'm on this platform called Nextdoor, and it said, from Bob Myrtle on Jackson Street, and there was a line in there that said, like, there's posts in there about crime and safety, and I just thought it was, like, so well done. It came from my neighbor, and it was so perfectly attuned to the type of industry that you're in. So Dan, like when did this campaign start and how long has it been going on for? Sure. Actually, I've never heard of anyone doing an unboxing video of our, our <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Hopefully you can start a trend with that. And <laughs> we've had the ability to let our members mail invites and you know uh, letters to other neighbors for you know, probably seven years, for, for almost as long as the company's been around. And it's not actually the the member sending the mail, right? Like they're they're pressing this button. Like tell tell me how someone sure. gets in a spot where they're sending that mail to me. That's right. So they are as a member, I can go in and say, I want to invite other people to my neighborhood. And I can click on homes in my neighborhood. I can just say send to the 10 nearest homes near me. And then we take it from there and facilitate it on their behalf. So we are the ones physically mailing it, but it's coming you know, the, the, the name and the permission and the intent is coming from a member. Which I think is what makes it so special is that it's actually coming from another person that I have, even if I don't know them, like I have some connection to because I know they live near me. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's really the promise of your experience on Nextdoor, right? Is that you're connecting with people who live near you. And so there's a consistency between the marketing and the promise that we're trying to fulfill on. That is really amazing to me that you're able to align it so much. Like generally these kinds of mailers or campaigns in general are there to just like get your interest enough to get you to show up. But it is so perfectly aligned with what the platform actually does that it just seems so perfect. Like, how did the idea for this thing start in the first place? I know it was many, many years ago, and and, yeah. and you've been there for a few years now. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So it does predate me, but I think at its core, you know, Nextdoor is a social network, and 
on every social network, you want to have more, you get more benefit by having more people on it. And with most social networks, it's pretty straightforward. Like I, on Facebook, I know how to add friends, even in the early days, like you would email, invite your friends, right? And LinkedIn, same concept. And Nextdoor is unique in that you don't know the other people in the network. And that's what makes it really valuable is that you don't know most of your neighbors. And so that makes it hard to text or email, invite them to join you. And so you want to create the ability for people to invite and you do know the addresses of the people around you, uh, or you do know to say, Hey, like invite the 10 homes nearest me. And that is a way that people feel comfortable inviting their neighbors and growing, growing their social network. And maybe you don't want to share this because I, I, I'm, it is a statistic type question, but is it like most people that are on the platform wind up doing this? Is it like a few of them? Like, am, am I a, a random one-off that someone actually happened to fall in this thing and clicked on the thing to, to mail it? Or is it something that most of the users actually do? Uh, and sorry, I'm going to double barrel this question. Uh, sure. And then do they do it once they have been using the platform a while? Or is it also tied into the getting set up phase? Yeah. So I guess I won't share specific numbers, <laughs> but I will, I mean, I will say that, you know, the, the core motivation exists, just as I mentioned on other, on all platforms, right? So I think there is a core motivation of how do I, I can make this more valuable by getting more people to join me. And that's true across all social networks. So that we see that and that manifests and yeah, a lot of people want to take action in this way. And it's a very easy thing for them to do. Yeah. Do you prompt them at a certain point of usage or is it, or is it one of the things that's like always there that they can go find? Like I think about yeah. Dropbox, right? right? I get prompted when I'm running out of space or I could just yeah. always go find the option somewhere. Right. There isn't a like Dropbox. There isn't a trigger necessarily. I mean, we do encourage like our, our what we call our founding member. Uh, so the very first person to join a neighborhood, you know, there's a lot inherent motivation for them and a lot of notifications to encourage them. You know, beyond that, we make it easy to discover and there'll be some periodic triggers. We just do more just time-based than it is situational-based, like the Dropbox example. And there's just kind of a sufficient take-up that, you know, we haven't had the need to contextualize it deeper. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about the campaign itself. Been running for seven years. I would imagine that it's not been the exact same thing. Like the version of mail that I got was not the version of mail that was sent seven years ago. Can you talk a little bit about like what kinds of things worked and what things didn't work that you're you're willing to share? Yeah, you know, and so I mean, we have we have learned a ton. You know, I've been here about three years, and just reflect on the amount that we've testing we've done during that time. You know, I think, again, it comes back to that initial point of how do you connect the promise of that marketing to the reality? And so, you know, the promise is a neighbor is inviting you to join their their private neighborhood network. And if you make it really sticky, I think you lose that promise. You know, the message all of a sudden has a disconnect. And so, you know, if you put a, like, as seen on, Today's show, Good Morning America, and all these other logos that I think in most forms of marketing are actually really powerful and conveys trust. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, it doesn't feel like the neighbor invited me anymore. It feels like a company's inviting me. And so I think that's a pretty important distinction to make sure that, that the message and the medium and the promise all align in a way that makes sense. Got it. And when I think about the way that you would approach this, 
and, and optimizing this over time? Is it like get everyone in a room and come up with ideas? Uh, like, are people giving you feedback on this? Can like actual users giving you any feedback on this campaign? Like, how how do you think about what thing are we going to try next? Or is there just a long list of all the possible permutations of things that can be changed, like right. the outer envelope, and right. you know, right. Right. I mean, I think probably like any test, you know, I think mail is interesting in that there's a very long, slow feedback loop. So that's a challenge, right? You can't, unlike digital where I could learn in a day, you, you kind of, you, it takes several weeks to get insight. And so that's a challenge, but we, we do think about it very system, systematically of, you know, what can I, how am I, you know, I'd like to grok it on like, what's the open rate, right? You don't actually have that number, but if I only make a change on the envelope, and that's the only change I make. I know the relative impact on the open rate. And then I start to get a signal of how impactful is different parts of the envelope. And that then allows us to focus on subsequent changes we might make. So, you know, if you put like a handwritten note on the envelope and conversion, whatever, goes down 50%, you're like, okay, well, that it's actually useful information. Like I know I can focus mm-hmm. because maybe I can do something else that is positive. And so, you know, really just trying to find where do we get big movements and obviously improvements are better than, than detractions, but both of them are helpful. And a lot of times we'll make changes that feel pretty dramatic and nothing happens. And mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, well, this is part of the mailer that we should just kind of ignore because people clearly gloss over it. Right. Interesting. And are you, are you generally running, I think about a software campaign or an email campaign, it's it's really easy to just make a change and get results pretty quickly. But as you pointed out, it's mail and it takes a while to get a feedback loop on it. Are you generally trying a few different variables at once, maybe in different geographies? Or are you like making one change to the campaign and you're going to run that change for two weeks and see what the results are across all the mailers? Or do you split it? Yes, yeah, so we, we don't make changes by geography because there is actually a pretty big difference in performance by geography. And I, I think that speaks to a gazillion different underlying factors. But the we do, a lot of times we'll have a, like a, multi, a split test, like a three, four-way split test on a single drop. And it just, you know, that it, some of it's just down to statistics of, you know, what volume can you do and get statistically significant results. But it's not that hard to do it where, you know, if four houses on the same street, all four of them might get a slightly different creative that hmm. we can then then measure the impact. Got it. And how, as I think about this, because uh, it, it seems super powerful, how does this compare to other campaigns? Like I would think about for us, we have a viral aspect of the product and then we have paid ads and all that. And, you know, there's a pretty clear comparison of, of you know, viral is driving this many more. Right. Like how does this compare to other channels for you guys? Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, organic and viral, it's its own thing. I don't, they're, they're a little bit of apples and oranges, but I mean, I think for us, it's always the preferred path, both because it's cost effective. And I think it's always the best way to be introduced to a product. And I think, I think this mailer feels to a, someone receiving it almost on par as a personal invite. So that I think is very mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. We, we've tried other channels and I think some of them or similarly efficient as as mailers but i do i think i really like the connection of the brand promise that you mm-hmm. feel like the neighbor came and invited you so in that sense i have a you know an affinity and a preference to that channel um, above some of the others makes sense are are there other companies that are doing 
similar types of campaigns that you could think of that align the promise so perfectly well? I'm just trying to think of some right now to to give listeners mm-hmm. some some other examples to tie on. I'm I'm having a little bit of a hard time. Yeah, you know, I don't I know think, if there's right. Well, so like, I mean, probably one of the best is you know Facebook when they added tagging to photos, mm-hmm. and and that was a great viral hook for you to join because you know if you hadn't joined yet and you know, I tag Joe Smith at Gmail as you know, mm-hmm. like, there's a photo of you, like you're pretty motivated to come through and see what the photo right. is. And, and I think that does tie to the promise because you're connecting those friendships and seeing photos is a really core use case. And so that tagging, I think was a huge unlock. And I think that is a really good connection and it's not a paid channel, but it is a growth channel for them. Do you think that there is an opportunity to do to have a few things like that? Or do you think it's more that each company can have like one of these types of campaigns that just fits so perfectly with the brand promise? Or is it repeatable within the same business model in other channels? Like, uh, how do you think about that? I mean, in theory, I think in theory it is, it is repeatable. <laughs> like, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything sacred about one. I think some channels lend themselves better than others. So, you know, I think same with the next door, you know, if, if somebody email invites you, maybe a neighbor that you're an acquaintance with, you know, I have a few neighbors like that. It wouldn't be weird if they were to email me an invite to next door. And that that's also incredibly powerful. And so I don't think there's something sacred about mail, but it's having that sense of personal connection is really special. And I think there's a lot of different ways to deliver it, but they're not an infinite number of ways to deliver it for next door. Right. That makes sense. So as listeners might be thinking about building a similar type of campaign, you know, I, I, that mailer made our team think about what can we do to deliver such a good experience to get people aligned with what we have to offer. Like how should people think about one crafting their own ideas around that sort of campaign and then two executing on it? And then I'll have another three at the very end. Yeah. You know, I think the, the and maybe a bit of a broken record, but aligning the promise of marketing to the experience of the product, I think is such a core piece of that. So I wouldn't, I think there's, I wouldn't say, oh, direct mail worked for Nextdoor, Ergo. It, it's a great channel and everyone should do that channel because if the messaging isn't going to align as tightly, then it may not be the case. That said, I think people tend to just lock into the two or three channels that most marketers, you know, rely on to get scale. And there is a wide world out there of things that are unsexy and can be incredibly effective. And so thinking creatively of how do I communicate? How do I get to somebody? I think starts to unlock some of these other channels for you. And how do you, uh, here's my number three, for, for people that might be trying something, you know, they, they sit they're, they listen to this episode, they go go to their team, they say, we got to do something like this. And they come up with a couple ideas and they, should people expect to like try three of these sorts of things and have them work? Should they spend a month, you know, trying out a big campaign? Should they start super small? Right. Like how, how, how should people begin? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question because I think it's really hard to get it right the first time. And that was our experience. And there's been a ton of iteration and improvement over the last three years that I know and can speak to. And I think, you know, there's places to find efficiency. The, the first 
thing I would try to find is, can I get this to convert? And then I can optimize on cost. And like, there's a lot of different ways to optimize that are going to lower your CPA over time. And I think a lot of people will kind of do one test and be like, CPA doesn't back out. I'm going to move on. And, you know, there's a, an initial, whenever we do a campaign, there's kind of this initial gut that like we have. And I know that's not a great way to go long-term, but I think out of the gate, there's a, the gut is, does this feel like I'm connecting? I'm telling you something in a way that is going to cut through the noise. And if you come through, it all makes sense. You're like, I was promised to connect with my neighbors. And sure enough, I go and I immediately get that fulfilled. And, you know, to come like as a contrast, like we've had folks come to me internally and be like, hey, maybe I see other social networks do stuff with celebrities. Should we do stuff with celebrities? And, you know, my gut is always, I'd love to because it's fun, but it, it's not part, it's not the product we're offering. Right. So there's a disconnect. And so I, I could try iterate on that for a thousand years. I don't know that would make it work. And so that's kind of the, the starting point of, do you have conviction that this makes sense? And if so, I think you have to power through a little bit that iteration to get to a point of, do I have line of sight that if I can optimize this, could I improve it meaningfully and make it back out on the CPA? But it's, it, it many times won't back out on the CPA on the first go. And if you abandon it, I think you've missed your opportunity. That is a great way to tie it all together, right? Examples from other companies and their campaigns are amazing, but it totally doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean that it will work for your business also. And you have to think about it, as you were saying, specifically tied to, is this attached to the value that my thing is going to offer? Like we tried physical mailers, they didn't work for us. <laughs> and and that's just because like our product is not any in any way related to that sort of system. Right. And, and so it was really hard to deliver. Like, how do you explain the value of a chat bot over a letter? Right. You know, right. it just doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining. Uh, one of the other things that we didn't get a chance to, to touch on here is that, as I mentioned, Dan's title is Director of Growth and Partnerships. And partnerships is another major thing that they have over at Nextdoor and a, a really important part of their model of getting new user acquisition. And what we're going to do is on Drift Insider, drift.com slash insider, uh, we're going to have another episode that digs deep into that. Definitely come check it out. And Dan, any any parting words? Thanks so much for, for coming. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thank you, everybody. Now, as I had mentioned at the very, very opening of this, growth is in its its rebranded, no more hashtag, and it's in its own feed. So please, five stars if you were a fan. If you weren't, let me know, and we will figure out how to uh, improve that. If you have other, other feedback around people you'd like to hear, topics you want to hear, feel free to let me know. My email is matt at drift.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. And we'll catch you on the drift.com slash insider episode two. Great. Thanks. Thank you.